Welcome to the Cycle Systems Academy podcast. Now this week, Sean and I had planned to do a, a tech show about hubs, you know, uh, overlock nut dimensions, bearing races, all that kind of stuff. But during the week, Sean said to me, he said, we've got a really interesting guy who's come to do one of our courses now to, to refresh his skills. The chap's name is Tom Cox. He's been racing since 1969 and he's seen the whole gamut of uh, technical innovation that's happened during those days. Um, I had a listen while I was uh, recording this and I've got to say Tom sounds exactly like the kind of guy that I would love to sit in a pub and talk tech with. And if you go on one of the Cycle Systems Academy courses, more than likely you'll get conversation of this kind pretty much every time they sit down for lunch. I mean, Sean and I talk a lot of the time about the conversation that students have. So with no further ado, Here's Sean Lally talking to one of the students at Cycle Systems Academy, Tom Cox. So Tom, welcome to Cycle Systems Academy podcast and for everyone listening out there, Tom is a student with us at the moment on the Level 2 course and every lunchtime we've been sat around in the old library here which is like, you know, big leather armchairs, brandy and cigars, you can picture it and Tom's been regaling us with not only stories of his racing life but also the bikes that he rode and contrasting it to the technology that is around today and what was normal then, what's normal now. And it's been so fascinating and so entertaining. I thought, while Tom's here, we've got to get him on the show. And a lot of people out there, just like me, won't have come across a lot of this knowledge, you know? Unless you were there, you just wouldn't have seen it. So um, really, Tom, to introduce yourself, tell people about yourself and about your cycle racing career, because you've been racing quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, well, I started racing in 69 um like with a lot of things i got into it by accident i was uh, doing a lot of running at the time for my um, school and also i was lucky enough to run for my county at the time but i think when you're a young kid what you want is somebody to come along and do things for you and i kept asking the athletic club oh can you bring me the membership forms and they membership forms didn't turn up and to cut a long story short, uh, I was out for a ride one day and the cycling club caught up with us and I was chatting with them and somebody said to us, well, why don't you come along and, and, and join us? Um, and I suppose that was probably the early part of 69 uh, and I'd just got uh, a bike that I'd bought from a friend of mine at the time, which I think was a, it was a well, I know it was 531, but it was, I think, just chromo alloy at the time. Uh, handlebar control um, and I managed to buy it for 15 quid and it was with that bike that I first started uh, riding in say in 69 the odd club uh, time trial to start with as most clubs did then you know they ran 10 mile time trials for us it was a farmer and Camberley wheelers and it was all done on a Thursday Thursday evening you do a few of those and then after the uh, initiation of the odd club time trial, of which you did ride in a pair of football shorts and a pair of pl plimsolls or trainers, whatever you want to call them, we then um, trotted off and rode a couple of uh, open events that year, which uh, and I think the first open event I ever rode I was on a course near Dorking. And I always remember it because my dad took us over there. And... Uh, I remember getting changed and at home to go to the event and uh, only to find that it had been early start and I got there and I put my shorts on the wrong way round so I had to turn around before I started. 
but that was my first introduction to uh, into should we say open time trialing and since then I've been time trialing every season since 1969 um, through to and I've just finished this this season. So it's a considerable amount of time and one thing that's been great for me and for the students is you've brought in quite a lot of your time trial frames mm. through the years. We've had 70s frames, 80s frames, right up to your current race bikes. So maybe we'll work backwards. Tell us what you've been riding in 2015. Uh, in 2015, I'm lucky enough to have uh, a couple of Pinarillos, which I use. Um, I've got a Graal, which is the previous top-of-the-range machine. And also uh, a bleed. Uh, the reason I've been using the two frames is that the bleed I find is very, very stiff, very, very positive, but probably not comfortable enough for riding a 100 mile time trial on, where the uh, Graal just gives me that little bit more flexibility. So uh, I've been using the two of them during the course of this season, and you know, it's been a successful season using both of those. Certainly, I've put a few pictures of the, the Believe of yesterday on Facebook, and I think we're pretty much hitting around 100 likes, which is uh, unheard of for any of, of our posts. And um, it is a fascinating machine. But if we rewind right back to the first time when you were getting serious enough to have some frames built for yourself, what was, when was that, and what was the technology that was available, and what were you looking for as a racer? Well, I suppose at the time, if you go back to 69, um, I, I decided I enjoyed riding. So the early part of uh, 1970, which was the year I was looking at leaving school, um, we came to a bit of a deal with my parents because I'd been pestering them for wanting uh, another bike. Um, there wasn't any such thing as a time trial bike. It was a road bike, um, so consequently, that's what I went for um, and I ended up uh, with the help of my parents purchasing what was a Falcon team bike at the time which was fully Campac equipped with the exception of the pedal, uh, not the pedals, with the exception of the brakes because I can always remember that the brakes, Campag brakes at the time were £17.17 17 and 6 which was the same price as what the chain set was. <laughs> So my first bike was this light blue and dark blue Falcon um, with, a, with the logo designed by Ernie Clements on it, who did a lot of the uh, stuff at the time. And at the self same time, the other reason for getting it, which is a typical schoolboy, is that when I bought my first bike, somebody had given me a, a, a light blue and dark blue silk Falcon racing top, so it matched. So there was always a bit of a bit of the poser, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, well, that, that is important to all of us. And it wasn't that long, was it, until you started actually racing for teams having frames built for you? Yeah, um, the first frame that I had built for me would was in the the mid seventies. Um, in fact, I had a, a couple of frames in the mid seventies. You saw one of them the other day, which was. Uh, a bike which I bought purely for time trialling um, because there, there was a little bit of, well, we'll have a time trial bike because we'd just stick a single chain ring on it and uh, a dinner plate on the front or a large chain ring, whichever you want to call it. Um, so I had a Dave Russell uh, 
frame that he built for me, and it was about 74. Um, again, I had that built up as a road bike, but I used that for time trialling through 74, probably through to 78 when I got the, uh, the uh, green one, which you saw the other day. Um, and at the self same time, that first hand-built frame was the first machine that I managed to go inside the Aron, um, which was done down in uh, Kent on the Q25-3, as it was called. Um, and I remember one of the club elders coming up to me at the time and saying, I uh, hope you don't uh, go inside the hour by too much, at which point I thought, you miserable. I'll leave the rest to your imagination. <laughs> um, but when I got back, and I managed to do it with a 59, 57, and uh, I got back and he turned around and he said, oh, I'm really pleased that you got inside. Um, now when you do it on a local course, it will feel much better for you. And it, he was absolutely right. Um, so he didn't get the verbal when I got back. But um, it's, it just proves the point that sometimes the, the older guys in the club do know what they were talking about. And it was probably the best piece of advice uh, that I had um, because then it made going inside the hour on local courses, which were around the order shop, Farnborough, Farnham area, so much more satisfying. If you want to break into the bike trade, train your staff, or even learn some new skills just for fun, Cycle Systems Academy has a course for you. Our graduates come to us from all over the globe and train with us to gain the highest recognized cycle mechanic qualifications available. The bike industry supports and believes in Cycle Systems Academy, which means they'll believe in you too. And then we progressed in bikes, uh, you know, with the time trial frame, single chain ring, rear wheel entry, 35 and a half inch wheelbase. It was like riding where well, you felt you were sitting up on top of a skyscraper because the angles are so steep. Um, continued using that one through to the mid 80s. By then, the low profiles were coming through. Um, and then went for my first low profile. By then, moved house a couple of times. And with all due respect to Dave Russell, bless his soul, he wasn't exactly the, the best businessman, um, as are a lot of the old frame builders. He did a lot of talking and you used to wait for your frame for about a year before you got it. Um, and I went to Argus and Argus measured me up and came up with the low profile that you saw. Um, used that one through to the mid-90s, uh, mid probably. Um, and then upgraded that um, with another Argus, which was a, one of their micro frames at the time, very similar to the one that uh, Dangerfield used to ride. Um, and then as we came into the 2000s, um, it was a chance to the time get hold of uh, a Montello which was being used by the uh, Bonesto squad as well as uh, Team Telecom and if I remember rightly Fasa Patola um, and that was my first introduction to uh, a carbon frame of any description and from there I've just progressed with the uh, um, with the carbon frame and the Pinarillo technology, um, purely and simply because one person said to me many years ago when I bought a Pinarillo road frame, 
once you've ridden Italian, you won't ride anything else. So, you know, I've followed the technology really from road bike with everything on it, strip it down and watch your chain bounce off with a single chain ring through to what we're using today with power cranks, power meters, um, discs, bladed wheels and so on. And for those of you that are interested in seeing these frames, you can see our Twitter feed and our Facebook page, and we've got photos of um, some of the frames and bikes Tom's brought in, and I will be adding more. Tom's kindly given me some more photos today that I'll be adding onto the feed. And certainly this 1978 frame, what was staggering is when I grew up in our living room was a Greg Kernow print of Greg Kernow's time trial bike. That's part of my childhood and I've now got that um, literally just arrived at the academy and it's going to be on the wall in the academy. And the funny thing is looking at this frame, it's like, oh, it's exactly the same. It was yeah. the same angle, the same high bottom bracket, massively high head tube. It's not what you'd expect, you know, compared to with the time trial bike these days and very short wheelbase. And, even the same setup. So it's really interesting to see this was in Canada, you know, that this um, bike, it was a Mariposa Canadian bike. So obviously the, there's, there's been trends throughout the years and experiments, I think this design was very much an experiment, wasn't it, in terms of what can you do, what can you get away with? It was really, because if you actually look at the bike, um, handling, if, if you compare it with handling today, that machine handled like a dog. It's the only way to describe it. Uh, I mean, you had a front wheel overlap. Um, you know, I mean, with toe clips on, it would be the whole of the toe clip that would hang over the front wheel. So going round round a corner, it, it did teach you to make sure that your feet were in the right place. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you got a bit of a rude awakening. Um, so it was. But it, it was good fun, you know, everybody was using things of this nature. I mean, you've only got to look at Alf Anger's machine, which there are a number of pictures on the internet of it, affectionately known as the Pepper Pot, if you hadn't heard it called that. Um, and it was, but it, it, it was good. It was, it was, everyone was experimenting with aerodynamics and the technology, some of which today we've discarded because it just it just doesn't work. And you know, when you look at a pair of handlebars like the one that you've got on that picture there and they're completely drilled and countersunk. Um, and it does it just looked like a pepper pot, the top mm. of a pepper pot. And you think, well, is there any strength in that? Actually, mm. no. Um, so we've got a little bit more sensible with it. Um, one thing that's fascinating as well, for anyone that's listening who's fairly new to the sport, or, you know, listeners we have in the States and Australia and such, do do an internet search for Alf Engers, because there's some video footage of him online, and he looks like Moser. And you see Moser riding with that flat-back style, and it really gives you an idea of Boardman's flat-back style, and it came from this great British tradition of time-trialling. And while people didn't have a Graal or a Belide, they were pushing the envelope in every single way to get an advantage. And um, one thing also I think that's interesting in our conversations this week is you, you were saying really, Tom, that it wasn't till the mid-80s that te technology exploded. Yeah. So a bike in 78 wouldn't be that different to 68, would that be right? No, in fact, if you go back and you actually look, um, and I did it just for the f sake of doing it, 
you could look at an early uh, bike in 1959 and you could look at a bike in 69 and you stood them together and they looked pretty much the same. The, the frames were fairly similar. I mean, we were still using 39 and 40 inch wheelbases, um, long fork rake, um, you know, and, and it was just, it just, they looked the same. And in fact, you could look at a road bike in 79, and yes, you could start to see the changes coming in and that the bikes were becoming tighter, um, tighter at the rear end and looking a lot cleaner. Um, but, but you're right, it was really, I think, um, I suppose the advent of the, the Hino's Renault team when they started to come out with, with fairings and goodness knows what, that really people started playing with it. And, and now I think because cycling in the UK was really a, a bike builder who did it for the fun of it in the back of a little shop on the high street in Slough, which where Dave Russell did his. Now you've got the big companies involved with it, the big business and the big investment in it. You now start to see things moving ahead a lot, lot, lot quicker. Okay, so it is um, obviously one aspect of your racing career, time trialling. Obviously, it's a really big part, but you've shown me a lot of photos of yourself road racing and, and some pretty esteemed company as well, some races with uh, Sean Yates, for example. Yeah, um, I didn't do an awful lot of uh, road racing, but as, as a youngster, I mean, that's what you wanted to do. Um, I would never have set the world alight as a road racer, um, but yeah, I've managed to ride um, some races. Um, you know, Perth's pedal race was, was one that I rode um, in the early 80s, which uh, had uh, Hallam, Baton, Yates riding it. Just, just to name but a few. Um, Baton and uh, Hallam were both riding for KP Crisps at the time. Um, I mean, Hallam is what Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Meadowbank '74 was it? '74, something of like of that nature. I can't remember the exact dates. Um, and I and I also remember getting into a road race break. Don't ask me how, but. Uh, on a circuit um, around Bracknell where there were six of us in a break and I got in the break and it had Roach, Marshall, Garlinge, Fairhead, John Clary. I couldn't remember all of the names the other day myself. And I remember Roach just turning around to me and just saying, you just do as you're told and go from there to there. We'll get you to the finish. They just didn't want some 18-year-old kamikaze pilot sort of mucking up what they were going to do. But it, it was a brilliant education um, and, and it taught you how to ride with, with these guys because they're so smooth. It, it's just, just incredible. And looking at the, the technological side of it, and um, I remember speaking to you on the phone when you were looking at doing a course with us, mm -hmm. you said, well... Ever since I've been cycling, I've been stripping and building bikes. So obviously the technology has changed somewhat. But here you are having a lifetime of, I mean, you know, good degree of expertise with your bikes. But you're here on the training course. How has it been for you to, to do a course? How much 
that we've been talking about? Have you known how much has been new information? It's It's been very good um, because you say when you first started racing, you got a frame from the frame builder and you built your group set and you bought your handlebars and your stem and you sat at home in your mum's kitchen or putting it together, um, providing she was out. Um, so you you start when you've been around the sport a long time you get to know the technology and you get to know the terminology uh, etc but you don't necessarily know everything in the right order and i think the one thing that this has been brilliant doing this course this week is it's consolidated what i've known already knew it's put it into an order that now makes more sense and it's filled in the blanks where there were blanks. So for me, what I'll take away from it is uh, probably a smoother, cleaner way of you know, putting my bikes together and, a, and more of an understanding of how the components are put together and why they're put together in the way that they're put together. So I think it's been, it, it's been brilliant. Well, thanks very much for, for joining us, Tom. And um, there may well be a number of listeners out there who, as imagination is fired or has got various questions. So if anyone wants to fire us any questions over through Facebook or through Twitter, I can relate them on to Tom. I'm sure we'll be in touch after the course and we can hopefully get that answered as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I mean, it really struck me that Tom is typical of the enthusiasm and the passion for the time trial, which has been the mark of so much of British cycle sport. Meanwhile, if you want to get in touch with Cycle Systems Academy, it's at Cycle Systems Act on Twitter. It's facebook.com forward slash Cycle System Act. And if you want to actually go to the mothership, to the actual uh, web page, it's cycle-systems.co.uk. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Cycle Systems Academy podcast.